most people who practice want to develop compassion and they have the question, of course, how do I do that? I used to think about this a lot in the beginning of my practice. And I remember reading books and thinking, well, those people who lived a thousand years ago, they could develop compassion because life was simpler then. Or those great beings who lived in monasteries and had 20 attendants, they didn't have to worry about their kids in the laundry and taking the dog to the vet and would there be enough money for the mortgage? So they could develop compassion. And besides, they had some of the best tutors in the lineage. So of course, they accomplished compassion. And I was very interested in this question, how do regular people like you and I develop compassion? How does that guy I used to see on the freeway sometimes driving down Highway 26 with his coffee in his left hand, his razor in the other, he was driving. How does he develop compassion? Or how does that mom on the bus at six o'clock in the morning with her two children still in their pajamas going to maybe the babysitter's or her mother's house. How does she develop compassion? How do we, with all of our entanglements and habits and barriers and guilt and distractions, how do we develop compassion? How do we just start wherever we are, wherever that is, no matter how crazy or misguided or sublime we are, how can we start right where we are to develop compassion? First of all, I think it's helpful to understand what compassion is from a Buddhist perspective. It's the wish that all beings, including ourselves, be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. Free from suffering and the causes of suffering. This is important because this is one thing that we all have in common. If you breathe, you don't want to suffer. You just want to be happy. If you're sentient, you don't want to suffer. You just want to be happy. This is a fact. Compassion is also a kind of clarity. So when you're okay, when you're not suffering on any level, compassion is what just arises naturally. But for most of us, that's a ways down the road from right here, right? But we can see it on the map because at some point, we've all been really okay. And we are all experienced and maybe even noticed this phenomenon that when we're really okay, when we're not feeling constricted and small, under-resourced or afraid, that compassion just rises naturally. So how do we get there? Or how do we start when we're not in that place? You can begin with this practice called compassionate abiding. So you've probably already heard of calm abiding, which is a mind-on-the-breath mind meditation. Sometimes it's called jine or shamatha. So this is compassionate abiding, abiding in compassion. It's a pretty simple practice. But it lays the foundation for building the capacity to access limitless compassion. It begins by dismantling one of the most potent blocks to compassion, which is the fact that we don't want to suffer. We don't want to feel bad. 
we don't like it. We start by building capacity to stay with suffering itself. And then this maybe includes building the capacity to stay with our distaste for that suffering. You don't have to start with some big unmanageable suffering. You can do this practice anytime you catch yourself having a feeling that you don't really want to have. Any feeling. If you're ducking an experience or leaning away from it, it'll work. The most obvious and easiest ones to work with are things like disappointment or sadness or loneliness or the pain of sickness, things like that, things that we all experience, jealousy, greed, pride. I don't think you'll have trouble finding some feeling to work with, some suffering. And even when you can't find an on-the-spot feeling that's arising right now, you can always sit down and just conjure a feeling. You can think about a time when you were hurt or betrayed or just confused, and those feelings will come up, that experience of suffering. You can always watch the news. That always does it for me. When you find that feeling, you just steep in it for a minute to a very short amount of time until you recognize that suffering in the body and mind, and you make no effort to correct it. Just notice it. Put your attention right on it like you would on the face of an old friend so you don't analyze it. You just see it, feel it. And like you would with an old friend, you bring a little bit of warmth to that noticing. That is, you generate the intention, the free will to notice this thing. You want to do it, and so you lean into it. And now you breathe in. Usually, when you hear me give a meditation instruction, I'll say, don't manipulate the breath. Just let the breath be. But in this practice, you intentionally take a long, soft in-breath, and you allow a sense of spaciousness to be there. You open a little bit to your own suffering. If you can't figure out how to open, maybe you could just stop closing, or stop turning away, or stop distracting yourself. Just stop and stay, basically. So you keep breathing, you make the in-breaths deep and relaxed, as though you're surrounding the feeling with awareness and permission to be right there, doing exactly what it's doing. You're also keeping your eye on the experience of not wanting it to be there, if that's there too. Because when you're working with suffering, you're probably working with a feeling you'd rather not have, pain of some kind. So in there, somewhere in that mix of experience, you probably also notice urges like turning away, or hiding out, or craving, or anger. So while you let those be, you breathe in, and you breathe out, and you relax, and you give that feeling a lot of space. You're not wishing it away or pushing it away, or if you are, you're just noticing that. 
but you're making room for the feeling. And I always have the experience when I'm doing this practice that somehow my breathing is oxygenating it. It's kind of giving it life or letting it have life is maybe a better way to say it. I'm sort of loosening up the knots that constrict all of that whole situation. And it's really important then that you also notice that the feeling actually has a lot of space around it. So you're breathing in, breathing out, relaxing, noticing. That's it. You keep doing that. You can do this. You can do it at home. You can do it in secret. You can do it in public. You can do it in the waiting room at the dentist's office. Nobody will know. Once you get a little bit more practice with it, you can even do it in the middle of an argument. You can listen. You can notice your feelings of suffering, the edginess, the angst. And you breathe in and you breathe out and you allow space around it all. And you notice that space. So why does this work? That's always a great question for me in practice. Why does it work? We have intentionally, willingly touched parts of our own experience that normally we shut out or reject. We're averse to them. The ones that are not only our suffering, like being sick and having a fever or being exhausted or being jealous, but experiences that normally we dismiss or try to expel or push to the side or ignore because we think we shouldn't have those feelings. We might even pretend that we don't have those feelings. <laughs> if we think about this, how much life energy do we expend trying to get rid of them or to justify them? We hide those feelings, and in the process, we hide ourselves and we hide from life. So part of the reason this practice works is because we let go of the stories about what we should and shouldn't feel. We shouldn't fail. We shouldn't feel disdain for certain kinds of people. We shouldn't be addicted to this or that. We shouldn't have obsessions or phobias or whatever it is. We let go of all of that conditioned storytelling and we just rest in a friendly way with what's going on and what's true right now. We look right at the experience in a very simple and warm way. And we just let it be there exactly like it is, the whole mess. We don't do that micro self-harming thing of trying to fix it. This is really adding aggression into the suffering that was already there. We don't do that. And then we do something radical, I think. We move beyond liking and disliking. We just breathe in and we stay with the whole experience. We breathe out and we stay right there. We relax with it. And all of that rides the breath, which means that we synchronize it with our relaxed breathing, much as we do in some other practices like Tonglen. This very simple meditation, this compassion practice, is, I want to say it's alchemical. So we're taking our reactive judging energy, and we're transforming it into basic warmth and openness. 
And even though that's a very simple process, it's really kind of a big deal. Kind of like even though our intense aversion to something or someone is a very simple thing, it's really a big deal. When we stay present with our experience, we're not escalating it. We're not taking a small spark of experience and pouring gasoline on it. We're breathing it in and we're experiencing it. And we're breathing it out and experiencing it. And by doing that, we're leaving out the step that usually follows, which is that we usually resist it. So what happens when we do that? Well, you'll have to see for yourself, but it runs along these lines. When you're suffering and you can't stay with it, you inevitably start doing things that increase the suffering, not by intention, of course, but you just do. You escalate somehow. In our inability to tolerate a certain intensity of experience, we spin off like a top in reactivity, and something that was simple, maybe, like loneliness, which is, after all, just a momentary experience of the mind and the body, it doesn't just flow through now. It stays and it gets bigger. It becomes more complicated, like guilt or shame or anger or depression or even sickness. Or maybe you don't pour gas on it, but maybe you dam it up, which is another way of exacerbating it. You suppress it, and then it builds up, and again, it can't just flow and pass by. Eventually, the dam breaks, and there's a big reaction of some kind. But when you stay with it in this compassionate way, loneliness is just loneliness. And then it's gone. It's just open space. And the interesting thing about open space, besides the fact that it's peaceful, restful, is that open space is possibility. There's a lot of freedom in open space. Freedom on the in-breath, freedom on the out-breath, And that freedom doesn't depend on what's happening. I hope you'll try this simple meditation of compassionate abiding. You just notice your experience. You breathe in a slow and relaxed breath. And when you feel like it, you breathe out a slow and relaxed breath. And when you do that, you just surround your experience with space and then you notice the whole thing going on it's really very simple I hope you'll try it